Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. And I want to welcome back to the program Congressman Dan Bishop. Welcome back, sir. How are you? Pete, I'm well. I hope you are. Are you really well, though? I, I heard I heard you're... Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had a pretty bad cold okay. over the last number of days, uh, but I'm uh, recovering from it. It uh, It's probably timed perfectly. I could sort of take a step back from the uh, gnashing of teeth that was <laughs> yes. so uh, palpable here. And uh, and did so, uh, but uh, I'm doing I'm fine. Good. Okay. Good. Glad to hear it. Um, so uh, so first thing I need to ask you: Are you because you did not vote to uh, to oust McCarthy? So are you a rhino now? Is that how that works? Yeah. I've that... been told that uh, <laughs> a lot of folks on Twitter say I'm a rhino at this point, and um, I, I I don't try to you know you know me, Pete. I have felt it to be pretty important. Uh, so, so I'm not, I, I certainly don't go out and ridicule people out there because I do think there are a lot of politicians shift, who shift shapes a lot. I don't. I try not to do that. I want to be reliable in terms of somebody who's who's uh, consistently prepared to make real change and not put my finger in the wind. Um, but I also, but I, I, I think that was. I still think it was the right right call. Um, as I explained it, I, I don't. I mean, I, I actually have been defending along the. Of course, over the course of the last couple of weeks, the fantastic arguments that Matt Gates has made about the shortcomings of the Republican conference, of the leadership of the Republican conference here in this Congress, and how it's sort of fallen short of our expectations. But, um, but I don't, you know, the question is how many should there do you need to count for there to be a sufficient groundswell to take on something that fundamental? I didn't think it crossed that threshold it, it's subjective uh, i didn't think it basically this basically was at the end of the day matt gates called the play on his own i don't think it quite ought to work that way but let's face it the arguments that he posed were enormously persuasive and i think even now um there's the prospect that shaking the place to its rafters might produce something good let's see or worse i mean we could end up with hakeem jeffries right I don't think that's possible. Uh, it, it certainly is not plausible. And, um, you know, that, that's always the, there were a lot of people remember back in January, there were those things. Oh, you're going to elect mm-hmm. a Democrat or you're going to let Democrats take over. Well, that was some folks who weren't close enough to the process to really understand how it worked. Uh, it is surprising from time, frankly, from time to time that within the Republican conference and our private meetings, the anger is so palpable that people are having a hard time seeing past things that are obvious if you pause a little bit like you hear people right now some some people just speculation about uh, expelling matt gates from the republican conference or others well you've only got a three-seat majority how would that work out Mm. uh they've said we need to change the rules or eliminate the motion to vacate the chair that's been in congress for in the in, in the house's rules since 1801 i think well you got to have a majority to adopt a rules package or change the rules. So how are you going to do that 
with your if you if you're if you're in the majority only by three seats with Republicans, you're going to do it with Democrats. What are they going to extract in return? So everybody's got to kind of come together, figure out the way back. It just it's not that there's any certainty that we can fix uh, problems here, but I do think there. It's interesting. There's some good people out there who are now candidates for speaker, and uh, I'm intrigued to see how it plays out. Uh, anybody that you would support right now among the candidates? You have a preference. Uh, not a firm one and not one that I'm prepared to say because Mm -hmm. I need to let these folks uh, sort of play out their uh, their, uh, path and their opportunity to to, uh, campaign effectively over the, you know, next several days. But there there are, and there's more than one who in my mind would would be uh, a suitable candidate. So we'll see what plays out. So what happens to committee work? While all of this is unfolding, because uh, uh, Patrick McHenry sent everybody home for a week. And, you know, now there's that, like you said, the campaigning begins and people are going to be running their their uh, candidacies for speaker. So what happens to all of the committee work? I assume it's on hold. No, I mean, no reason it should be. A lot of things do happen up here, have happened up here that are inexplicable. Really, I believe I know what the people are mad, uh, but I believe we could have gone home last night. Uh, had the night to cool off and get to work today. Uh, there are a lot of discussions that need to be had, but I don't think sending people home was the right move. Um, but it was the call that was made. Uh, I don't think that we should. I mean, the Appropriations Committee is still working on the two bills, not ready to go to the floor. We've got other things to deal with. There's nothing about the Speaker being dislodged that precludes committees proceeding. The inquiries on impeachment could can proceed the work of the um, the subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government can proceed the transcribed interviews the hearings can proceed there's no reason to stop anything the only thing uh, and even i think there's some suggestion that maybe there's a difference about this because this is an unprecedented situation how much power does the speaker pro tem have i don't think the it's pretty clear the parliamentarian is of the view and i think it's right that we're not able to move legislation on the floor uh, and that the Speaker Pro Tem's power is limited to doing those things necessary to the to the election of a new Speaker. So that's kind of the dividing line. So I guess I'm trying to I'm trying to figure a way that this looks any different than what happened back in January. If the concerns have not been addressed under the McCarthy mm-hmm. era, right? Why why would we not see a replay of the same holdout uh, and the extraction of concessions? in order to get uh, those same sorts of things implemented and protected uh, for the ones who are holding out, right? Like, why, why, well, why would it, anybody it, else be different? Here, here, oh, well, that, I think you've begged a question to which the answer is obvious, because people are different. I mean, what happened in January is we resolved that situation by saying, okay, we know of the deficiencies of Kevin McCarthy in advance. We know he represents a leadership that's been in place for de- you know, a decades, frankly, just and every time there's a change, you just turn the notch or turn turn the knob a notch and advance the next guy into the spot. And there were reasons to believe he couldn't get the job done, like the leadership vision and so forth. We came to agreement on specific terms, and that agreement substituted, in effect, for uh, dealing with the personnel issue. Mm-hmm. It turned out to be untenable. So now, uh, again, I wouldn't have made the call that Matt Gates made, um, but 
that fact has now come to pass. Kevin McCarthy is no longer the speaker. We can uh, we can take the opportunity to elect a speaker that has leadership vision, that has high level of integrity, whose words you can count on, will tell you honestly, you know, you can trust their word, um, is not primarily motivated to retain power for its own sake, but um, is prepared to coalesce a the Republican majority around specific policy objectives that the American people desperately need us to accomplish. There was a piece at National Review by Henry Olson who said, uh, the identity of the speaker is not the real barrier to conservative policy. The difference of opinion over what it means to be conservative within the Republican membership itself is. What do you think about that? Uh, I think that says something that's quite significant. I said in the when I put out a statement mm-hmm. yesterday about the, my view of why uh, I didn't join the effort to oust McCarthy, did the very first point I made of three points was I do think you know, Mr. McCarthy is a is an accurate reflection of the Republican majority. One thing that has been it surprises me. Every time I encounter it, and I encounter it constantly, if I talk to individual members of the Republican conference at any, not just conservative ones, some of the ones who are thought of as moderate, they individually know the crises that we confront and how grave they are and how they require a a, a force. The Republican Party must be the force to counter them. And yet, I also see a majority of the Republican conference, uh, day in and day out, that is prepared to sit here and perpetuate a status quo that is not accomplishing anything. Why? It has to change. It must change. That has been the source of whatever conflicts I've had. Some people are impatient with me for having conflicts within the Republican Party myself here. It is about that. It is the fact that we must do something. So the person from the National Review author that you just mentioned sort of says that mm-hmm. I, you know, you could say to me, well, how is one person going to rectify that deficiency in the Republican party? I think the answer would be, I don't know 100% that it will, but it could be that what is lacking is leadership, real leadership, substantive leadership, not just the, the, the best ability to go out and raise money, not just the ability to go out and message. One thing is this very, <laughs> I don't know if it frustrated me when I was, you know, before I was in in politics myself, and continues to frustrate me daily is how many people are obsessed by the idea of messaging. We need to message effectively. It's true that you need to be have effective messengers, and they need to be able to tell people. But sometimes the messaging has gotten so to be the focal point so much that they're not telling things they really believe. And you can have a suboptimal messenger who is telling something to an audience, and the audience knows that person to really believe in it, to be convicted about it, and it will come out to be more effective in terms of communication and substance. So it's my judgment that we need to reinforce truth. We need to you know, show that we believe in telling honest truth and not just what we think people want to hear. We need to focus on actually what things we must accomplish and will fight for, rather than telling people, you know, these uh, putting messaging bills on the floor and tell people we've done something. Let's be honest. 
So why is it? Is it is it the campaign funds? Is it the amount of money that you got to kick up to the to the various uh, Republican organizations? Like what what what's what drives that disconnect between what people that you run into what they feel and what they think uh, versus how they behave? That's a great question, Pete. If you look at American politics for my entire adult life, and certainly the case right now, if you look at Democrats and Republicans, especially in Washington. Um, they, you would think there'd be a mirror image, and I submit that there is not. Democrats do big things, and they are prepared to lose to do those big things. They will do them, and they anticipate fully suffering loss afterward, and they know that it will be temporary and that they will come back again, and then they'll do the next big thing. On the Republican side, we don't do big things to stop them or to preserve American culture and the way of life and and start working dealing with the with the deficit and the structure and the mandatory programs you hear people talk about oh we, the only thing we hear is we've got to stay we've got to show we can govern what they mean is we've got to not rock the boat so that we can get elected again and remain the majority it's almost as if it's a, if it's a if it's a purpose unto itself that won't work it's just that simple and um, I think the maybe it is in the nature of what conservatism is. That is to say, um, we're trying to avoid these catastrophic transformational changes to destroy a country we know has been the most successful in history. And so there's a tendency to uh, try to block rather than act. But, the, but we've, we're past the point where things are okay. Uh, we have to... Be a, 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 we have to make progress on our own as Republicans. And I think there's a divided mind about it here. But it's not inevitable, Pete. If you, I spent my, I cut my teeth, of course, in the legislature. You may say that nothing's perfect, but I can tell you that from 2010, when Republicans could, took control of the General Assembly, there was a sea change. Things were done differently and with specific objectives. And you never hear about the um, oh, God, there's another massive shortfall in Raleigh this year, and we're going to have to have, do something. We have to raise a tax to plug, try to plug the gap. We don't know how we're going to. It doesn't happen anymore. There's surpluses every year in right. Raleigh. Yeah. So I think sea change can happen. And if you're not prepared to make change, you cannot possibly occupy the position of being the opposition party, the party in America to whom it falls to stop the excesses of a radicalized left. 8th District Congressman Dan Bishop. He's also a candidate for North Carolina Attorney General. Dan, thanks so much for your time. Hope you feel better, sir. Thank you, Pete. All right, take care. Hey, so real quick, hurricane season is here, and this is your reminder to check your emergency supplies. You should have a three-day supply of food, water, and medicines, minimum. And Carolina Readiness Supply can help you get started or expand your supply. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies too, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you can use for any kind of emergency. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply, will you be ready when the lights go out? All right, I mentioned in that interview with uh, Dan Bishop, 
this piece at National Review by Henry Olson. Uh, and he says the identity of the speaker is not the real barrier to conservative policy. The difference of opinion over what it means to be conservative within the GOP membership itself is. What does it mean to be a conservative in the Republican Party? That's the rub. That's why people making all of these accusations about who's a rhino and who's not. I just went and checked Dan Bishop's uh, tweet that he sent out yesterday. It had his statement about uh, why he decided to vote against the motion to vacate the chair. And I went over this yesterday. His three reasons were, number one, McCarthy is an accurate reflection of the current House Republican conference. Right. McCarthy's in the leadership post because the Republican conference, virtually all of the members wanted him to be there. Number two, and you may not like that, but that's the way they all voted. Just like if you want your congressman to do something and you're like, well, that's what the will of the constituents are. Same argument. Second, Congress operates by numerosity. Oh, I meant to ask him where did he get that word from. Darn. Mm. Anyway, there must be a substantial groundswell for an effort toward fundamental change. One person's play call with roughly five to seven potential supporters portends no path toward success, only chaos. That's what he said yesterday. Now, he said, and he said that's why he hasn't moved to vacate the chair himself. Um, now, I mean, chaos right now, temporarily, we'll see how it all sorts out. I have no idea. Like, again, I'm not making any predictions on how this goes. I'm just trying to see all of the various angles for, you know, people, the, why people have done the things they, they did, why they're saying the things they say, potential outcomes. But I, I have no crystal ball here. And if I did, I'd probably sell it and retire. Although, I don't know, crystal. Okay, I have no, I have no gold brick. Or, yeah, or, or crystal ball. Um, a reckoning is due in the Republican Party to make it a force capable of confronting the crisis and opposition that we face. He mentioned this in the interview. I have chosen a different path outside of Congress to pursue uh, to make it one. I cannot impose this burden on an institution from which I am soon to depart. Um, and so he had almost 500 people reply to him. And so many of the responses, like all, like definitely more than a majority of the responses that I'm reading are attacking him for it from the right. They wanted him to vote to vacate the chair. They wanted him to support Matt Gates in this. And so they're calling him a rhino. And this goes to the point about what does it mean to be a conservative in the Republican Party now? Uh, Henry Olson, continuing in the piece, he says the current collection of GOP representatives is consistently conservative and has been for decades. The American Conservative Union has rated representatives and senators on their conservative bona fides since 1971. It gave House Republicans a score of 80 out of 100 last year. As a group, House Republicans scored 80 out of 100. That is not appreciably different from their scores since 2010 in their landslide victory, thanks to the Tea Party, right? It last gave the House GOP a rating over 90 in 2010, when the party had sunk to its smallest number of members since 1978, which makes sense because a lot of swing district Republicans, more moderate, less conservative, right? They lost. 
So the party was smaller, but the rating for conservatism was higher because the only ones that were there were in safe conservative districts. Now they're tracking at an 80% score, which is lower than 90, to be sure. But you have way more. They got a majority. You have way more people that are conservative in the GOP, according to the American Conservative Union rankings. He goes on to say that this even masks the degree to which congressional Republicans have moved to the right over the years. In 1980, on the eve of Ronald Reagan's election, 36 Republican representatives and 12 Republican senators had ACU ratings of 50 or lower. Last year, instead of 36, that number was 8. Over in the Senate, instead of 12, the number was 3. And five of those people, five of those 11, have retired. Republicans have never had so few genuine moderates in Congress as there are now. Yet all I hear from everybody on the right is, rhino this, rhino that, you're a rhino, she's a rhino, everyone's a rhino. You don't agree with me on everything, you're a rhino. These labels, guys, it. They're not helpful, and they're not even instructive anymore. I don't even know what, what it means, and I'm a wordsmith, you know? <laughs> so, like I, And I try to understand when people use terms, I try to understand how they're using them because I'm one of the, I know I'm old school, but I believe words have meaning, right? Definitions that, that society agrees upon when we hear the words and the way they're said, we understand their meaning, except for the word dude. That could be like there's like millions of ways that word is used. It can mean so many things. So the challenge is trying to reconcile the differences within conservatism, right? Matt Gates and his supporters tend to view conservatism as a revolutionary creed that is heedless of overall public opinion, right? Doesn't matter to them. Like, this is our, these are our principles, and we're going to, you know, we're going to uh, storm the castle, uh, even if it's like three of us, right? Others are less revolutionary, but they still want to move the needle as far to the right as quickly as possible. And then you've got the majority of the conference that disagrees. They want lower domestic spending overall, but they also recognize that their desires are unlikely to come to fruition as long as Democrats control the Senate and the White House. And they keep saying that. How do you move the legislation through? Right? I said this yesterday where you know Rush used to always call himself the mayor of Realville. You've got to look at how are you going to advance the legislation through. Mark Levin talked about this. I had the soundbite. He talked about this on Fox News. Mark Levin was saying the problem is over in the Senate that's controlled by Democrats and Mitch McConnell on the Republican side, right? So how do you how do you successfully move legislation through a House where you have such a slim majority and then get it through the Senate where you're in the minority and your own leadership in the Senate disagrees with what's coming out of the House. This third group would prefer to bargain for small incremental wins, waiting patiently for the time that a GOP trifecta can move more aggressively. And you've heard this before, right? We've all heard this. Oh, well, we just need this House. We just need this Senate. We just need the White House. We just need all three at the same time. And if we just get all three at the same time, then we'll totally do this stuff. And then when when they got all three, they didn't do it. We get John McCain with the thumbs down, you know, I don't know why I made a penguin sound there, but like that's that that's what we get. It is super frustrating. 
getting these three groups on the same page has bedeviled every Republican House speaker during the last 13 years. It often seems as if these nihilists, he calls them, are more interested in winning alleged purity contests than they are in making the country more conservative. Now, I would also point out that there's a pretty good template for how to do this. Florida, right? Once you get the numbers, once you get these things, then you just govern boldly and look at what happens. North Carolina, as Dan pointed out. North Carolina, another good example. All right, you may have noticed that I've been helping the Alzheimer's Association of Western North Carolina for a while, and it's a great organization. they got awesome people with huge hearts. My grandfather died of Alzheimer's when I was a kid, and back then there wasn't a lot of support for caregivers and family. Now, things are different today thanks to the work of the Alzheimer's Association. It's why I support them. Every year we do a series of walks all over the country. There are a bunch in the Carolinas. You can go to alz.org slash walk for a walk to end Alzheimer's near you. This month, there are walks in Hendersonville, Rock Hill, Mooresville, Greenville. And in October, we got Charlotte, Gastonia, Asheville, Kannapolis, Hickory, and Spartanburg. Go to alz.org for all of the dates and locations. We're closer than ever to stopping Alzheimer's, and we're asking if you can help us get there. Will you walk with me for a different future for families? For more time, for treatments, this is why we walk. Okay, let me get to some emails and uh, messages. First, to the mail sack, the email sack here, it's uh, Jan. While I tend to agree that using a geographic basis to preclude anyone from a position, California is a special beast. I'm not sure it actually exists, but rather is a drug-induced hallucination. I lived with a woman who claimed to be from California, so I have personal experience to back my belief. I am just about, uh, I am against just about any decision made on personal bias unless it involves ordering coffee, strong hot black, beer, strong cold black, or uh, whether they're going or going into any restaurant where the servers reek of patchouli. Living near Asheville, uh, this one severely limits my choices in downtown. <laughs> totally understand. Yeah, but I mean, how do you know they smell like patchouli until you go in? Um, Karen says, I am sitting in my work cubicle in a very quiet environment. And I just laughed out loud when you did the penguin impression for John McCain. Can you do it again? <laughs> my friends, my friends. No, that's not. No. Yeah, my friends. Uh, that's more. That's more Burgess Meredith there. Um, Jeff says, Pete. Thanks for the dialogue on the McCarthy vote and the subsequent uncertainty about the future of the GOP and relationship with our Democrat communist friends. First, I'd really like to understand how we arrived at a time when the economy can be held hostage to the unfettered money printers. The continuing Ponzi scheme of we have to fund the government or the chicken little sky will fall is wearing thin. Right. And that's that is one of the things I railed about this yesterday. This is one of the things that the. Um. Guys like Dan Bishop and Matt Gates and, and the 15 that, that were blocking McCarthy initial or was it the 10 or because there was 15 votes, if I recall. It, it doesn't matter. The ones that were blocking him initially back in January, they wanted a return to regular order, right, where you run the appropriations bills. You have a budget and you do this in a normal way. You you get to offer amendments. It's an open process. And. Those were good things. Those were good reforms to bring us back to the way we should be governing ourselves. Um, and I, it, But that's the problem is that 
doing it the way they've been doing it and not through regular order, it gives them more power to control things. And if you're trying to maintain power, even if you're trying to maintain power to do good stuff, um, the ends become, you know, justified by the means. And it's just, it, it power corrupts. He goes on to say, my theory is that it originated in a similar scenario from the movie The Devil's Advocate, where Satan summarizes the world situation as popes, swamis, and snake handlers all feeding at the same trough. As voters, we have been abused by elected elites, and we allow it by sending the same people into the same government process. Nothing will change until there's a way to disconnect the electeds from the lottery winnings existence that they hide behind. At this point, I would prefer that the government just be shut down. Perhaps a total crash of the system will prompt voters to reject the socialist agenda. Overall, we are just screwed. Right. So this is why Henry Olson referred to this approach as nihilism or nihilism, if you prefer, which is a philosophy that rejects generally accepted or fundamental aspects of human existence, like morality, knowledge, meaning, it's a lot of times it's associated with extreme pessimism, radical skepticism that condemns existence, right? A true nihilist believes in nothing. They have no loyalties. They have no purpose other than maybe an impulse to destroy stuff. Nihilism rejects values and the valuation society places on people and objects and life. And instead it takes this view that everything is meaningless, what have I been saying since the 2016 election cycle? Nothing matters. LOL, nothing matters. That's a nihilistic philosophy. And I get the sense that there are a lot of people on the right that are down with this. I know there are a lot of people on the left. You could see it manifested in the, uh, the, the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, the Antifa folks, right? You, you see the commies, uh, Nothing matters. And so it's a it's like a relativist idea that there's no universal truth. And so let's burn it all down, just destroy it all and we'll build build something better. Which is that's a that's a pessimistic view. You might be optimistic that you get something done afterwards, but the pessimism is and you can't you can't fix what exists right now. That you think it's gonna be easier to build something from scratch with the same people that disagree with you already. But now they get to build from scratch, too.